This is the PR Podcast, a show about how public relations helps you tell your story to the world. We talk with great PR practitioners who have the skills, creativity, and just plain savvy to get their clients noticed. Now here's your host, Jody Fisher. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the PR Podcast. I'm Jody Fisher. Thanks for joining us. Well, have you got yourself a PR Podcast plug yet? You know, at the top of every show, we plug passion projects of public relations people who write it. You like my alliteration there? I just got the alliteration. I can't even believe I just did that. Uh, but we, we like to plug your passion project. Write in, let us know what you're doing. The thing, and it's not your business. It's not, right, it's not your main gig. It's the thing you do on the side. So for me, it's the PR podcast, right? That's my passion project. I do this. I, I interview somebody every week. We, we drop an episode for you. So if you want a PR podcast plug, send us a DM on Twitter at the PR podcast. Of course, you have to follow us. We'll follow you back, but we'll plug your passion project in an upcoming episode. And speaking of upcoming episodes, we are always looking for interesting guests for our show. Uh, I like to say that there are 52 weeks in a year. There are 52 episodes in a year. We want you to be a guest on one of them. So if you want to be featured as a guest on an upcoming episode of the PR podcast, send us a DM at uh, the PR podcast on Twitter as well. Now on to this week's guests. Guests, let's get right into it. Jeremy Murphy is the founder of 360 Bespoke, a premier public relations agency handling clients in lifestyle, beauty, fashion, the arts, publishing, and entrepreneurs. Previously, Jeremy worked at CBS, where he served as a company spokesperson and an editor-in-chief of some of their magazines. Now, in addition, he's a respected speechwriter, having worked with shoe designer Steve Madden, L Magazine editor-in-chief Nina Garcia, media executive Don Ostroff, and artists like Usher, Dolly Parton, India Moore, and Issa Rae. He's also the, uh, an author, and he's currently working on a scripted TV series with producers James Brolin and Scott Hart. This guy does it all. Jeremy, welcome to the PR Podcast. Thank you for having me. How do you find enough hours in the day to pack all of this in? McCallan. <laughs> I have a bottle at my desk all time. <laughs> you got to have some fuel in the tank, right? Yeah, you know what it is? It's about, um, multi I'm really good at multitasking. I can do 10 things at once, but if you give me one thing to do, I, am, I can't. Um, I'm highly ADD, so I, it's good to have like many things going on um, because you know I'm not one of those people who can just focus on one thing. It's a product of our personalities, that's for sure. Now, I, I was Absolutely. reading through your, your terrifically lengthy bio. You have done so much over the course of your career. Um, you got your start as a reporter like I did, though. How important are reporter skills to what you do every day? Oh, it's vital. It is absolutely the heart of what we do every day. I always tell people going into PR, the best training you can get is to start as a reporter because that gives you the muscles and, 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 and um, the instincts uh, uh, to, to work in PR because you understand the culture of a newsroom. You, you understand what reporters want, what they don't want, when to call them, um, you know, how to pitch them. Uh, what they want, what they don't. You know, reporters are a rare breed. And, you know, there's a disconnect between people who go into PR and they don't understand them. And so I always say, start in journalism, understand who you're pitching to, and then go into PR. 
there are so many different types of reporters that we can work with too. I mean, you've got the main newsroom, you know, breaking news daily, either hourly or daily, you know, news cycle turnaround writers, but then you've got all different other types of writers. Are there a particular group of writers that, or reporters or editors that you like to work with or that you work with on a regular basis with your clients? No, you know, I, I have so many co- different clients in different uh, uh, categories. Um, I, the good thing uh, about my training was, you know, I started a small newspaper, actually several. And, um, you know, when, when you're working uh, at that small of a platform or a paper, you do everything. So I did crime, I did court, I did city hall, I did features, I did food, I did lifestyle. So I kind of, have to do everything and so that kind of really gave me a great training so now you know I have clients in beauty I have a violinist I have an opera singer I have you know a, a platform that uh you know marketing um and so you never know like you're talking to so many different uh types of reporters and they are they all have different personalities so you got to kind of just you know uh, customize and, and, you know, um, understand who you're talking to and kind of format um, and, and really go after what they want. Is there a best way to get to know a reporter you don't know yet, but you want to know, like whether, whether they're at, you know, the New York Times or the, whether at some other key publication, large or small, you know, because key publications really fit the client, right? I have, I have some clients whose really key publications are their local media. Um, and, and, and they're not, it doesn't make sense for them to be on that national platform. Um, do, do you have a, a sort of a tried and true way or, or an or a, a applied way that you get to know reporters? Yes. Uh, you know, reporters are writers and, and writers are naturally insecure um, and needy so I always read what they've written you know if you're going to go after a reporter know that what what they've already done and also you know if they write a great piece even if you're not pitching them send them an email and say how much you liked it um, also um, have fun you know journalists are have a kind of a gallows sense of humor um, uh, so crack a joke you know, make, make something, you know, try to get them to smile or laugh. You know, I always put something really saucy in my emails and, you know, most of the time at work, sometimes someone's offended, but you know, I don't care. Um, journals like that because all they get are like these, these, uh, you know, vanilla pitches that have nothing to do with what they're writing about. You know, like someone puts a media list together and um, has no clue who they're sending it to. So I always like try to have fun, um, you know, be uh, sarcastic, be, be witty or something, but, you know, uh, get off script and, you know, show them that you're human and you have a sense of humor and they appreciate that. I love that advice, uh, especially about the put something salty in there or crack a joke. I had one, one uh, editor who I know well uh, here locally in the, in the New York market who joked, but he was only half joking. If you want to get my attention, put, uh, cigars and beer in the subject line, <laughs> but, it, but it's true. You know, they, you, you gotta, you've got to get their attention. And really as PR people, we really only have like that subject line and maybe that first sentence or two of the body of the email. Would you agree? 
Yeah, you know, during COVID, um, you know, most people start off with, you know, good morning. Um, you know, you can't say that during COVID. So the I hope say, this finds you uh, well email, that email, is that the one? <laughs> no, I would actually say, uh, I hope you're alive. Um, and I would say, I would say good morning, but uh, good morning uh, is uh, on break until 2024, but wishes you well. Um, you know, I would try to like, you know, give it some levity, lighten the mood, have fun, um, because all they get are these, you know, th these templates, pitches, and no one has fun anymore. It's all like state of the art, revolutionary with exclamation points. And, you know, no one, you, you got to be a little bit of a smart ass and, and uh, you know, because having trained in a newsroom, oh, my God. It is, you know, I've never heard more curse words, um, you know, just horrible stuff. I mean, all in good humor. But, you know, these are not politically correct people that you're pitching to. Um, they want some something saucy, something witty, uh, because all they get are, you know, just hundreds of press releases with the same garbage in it. So have fun. And writing to them the way they write to their audience, right? Exactly. Exactly. You got to know, this is what I tell a lot of uh, people starting out, you know, your job, of course, is for the client, but it's also for them. You have to feed them stuff, but know what they're writing about. Know what will be interesting to their readers. You know, they're not just going to write about your new mop or, or, or snack bar because you want them to. Well, how does this help the reader? Like what they want, journalists want something new, something interesting, something that their competitors don't have, something that their readers will enjoy. Um, you just got to put yourself in their mind instead of just sending out a press release saying, oh, we're so great, and expect them to write about it. Yeah, fully agree. Let's, let's shift gears here a little bit. You, you do your fair share of celebrity publicity, and that's really a, a unique kind of an animal, I think. I've, I've only grazed it in my career, but tell me about you know, working with celebrities and how you manage that client relationship and also how you manage the relationship with the reporters who they want to get the publicity from? Well, you know, when I was at CBS and doing the magazine, I, I, I had a lot of exposure to celebrities. And I promised myself I would never do it again because they're mostly horrible people. Um, and when I started my firm, I had a no celebrity policy. And gradually, I kind of put my uh, toe back in the water. And I have a few. Not, I, I don't do their publicity, but I do projects they're involved in. And I'm pleasantly surprised because they're wonderful. Um, but as a rule, I don't like to do celebrity stuff because it's a different world. And, um, you know, it's 24-7. And a lot of it is just – I mean, I have – such respect for like tried and true celebrity publicists because the stuff they have to deal with is insane. Um, I have the great fortune to be very choosy of, of who I get, who I work with. And I have a few, and I have to say they're amazing. They're, they're so wonderful to work with, but I, I won't take any, like, you know, um, I won't take too many. Yeah. Yeah. Pure, pure, uh, celebrity work, sort of like w whether it's the, the the celebrity magazines or the gossip rags. I'm thinking of you know places like Page Six and the Post, 
um, things yep. like that. You you kind of shy away from that, right? You you. Well, it's a swamp. It really is a swamp because you know people are trading gossip. Um, you know, you're trying to keep, a lot of that is trying to keep your client out of stuff, uh, defensive, deflecting, um, stupid stuff. And now with social media and uh, you know TMZ and uh, you know, there's not a lot of respect for for the way things used to work. And um, so it really is a cesspool. Um, and, and I think everybody's to blame. And, you know, um, there are some really amazing celebrity publicists out there who, who, who know how to work it. Um, I'm not one of them. I, I really don't like to do that. So if a celebrity is involved in a project, I'll do it. But tried and true representing a celebrity um, it's hard work. And, you know, I do feel bad for some celebrities because, you know, they just want to work. They're artists. They just want to work. And, you know, the rules have changed. And now you have to deal with, it used to be you had to deal with the National Enquirer. Now you have to deal with everything. So, yeah, Instagram um, it, and TikTok and things like that, right? Yeah. I mean, a lot of it's like TMZ and all these websites and message boards and, social media. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's really hard to be a celebrity these days. You know, I used to have no, no uh, um, uh, sympathy for them uh, because, you know, it was always like, Hey, you take the check, it comes with it, but this stuff doesn't come with it. I mean, this, some of the stuff that they're dealing with is so horrendous that um, I wouldn't wish it on anybody. So I'm, I'm really glad to stay out of that, that uh, out of that realm. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Um, I find, too, that um, going back to our newsroom conversation there, that some newsroom decisions, and this is my interpretation, that are getting made these days by, oh, let's call them the um, younger crowd that is just coming up through the newsroom, who's just getting into a uh, managerial or a decision-making capacity, they tend to make some decisions about what they cover in my mind, based on how much traction they think it's going to get on social media. And sometimes, many times, those things are not necessarily what you and I, older people, might think of as news. Do you agree with that? Or what's well, yeah, your perception of how the decision-making process? A hundred percent. You hit the nail on the head. Um, I was out with a reporter um, recently, and she told me that they are getting measured on clicks. Uh, that is the new um, ruler. It's the new um, measuring stick that it's not the quality of what they write. It's how many people clicked it. And that's something that editors can tell instantaneously. So if you, you know, do a big story and no one reads it, uh, they can tell instantly or they can tell very soon. Whereas before, you know, you get the paper and there was no way to measure um, what stories in particular, uh, you know, aside from like maybe like mail or, you know, reader response through emails. Now it's all automated and it, it's, it's this, these algorithms and they can tell instantly if, you know, if a story is a hit. And then when that happens, that's what they want more of because that in turn measures, you know, helps uh, determine how, many, how much money advertisers pay. So it's, it's a very um, uh, transactional, uh, commoditized industry now. 
Yeah, and I've got to imagine that um, the the news gathering um, world would have been a little bit different uh, if social media had been around back when um, things like Janet Jackson at the Super Bowl happened. You had to deal with that up close and personal. I, I would guess that you were probably grateful that social media didn't exist <laughs> back then for something like that, right? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I'm... I, I think social media is tearing this country apart. I think it's a toilet bowl. Um, unfortunately, it's a necessary evil that we all have to, you know, through business, you know, and you're, you know, establishing a brand and, you know, lead generation and, and, and trying to get clients. Like, we have to do it, but I think it's a garbage pail. Um, I really think that it's, uh, you know, something that was supposed to bring us together is tearing us apart. Maybe we weren't supposed to be disconnected, right? Um, and it just amplifies everything and exaggerates everything. And it's also a window where you can exaggerate, you can lie, you can manipulate. You know, when I was growing up, you know, there was, uh, you know, the major networks and there were major newspapers. And, you know, you pretty much were assured that you were, you were hearing the truth. Um, you know, these people put a lot of time into to reporting the story. They had editors and what got on, on, on television or on the page. You could probably you had more of a degree of certainty that it was true. Now you don't know. You know, everything is suspect on social media. Yeah, I, I find I'm running a, uh, a lot more into um, overuse of the superlatives. And as as a former reporter. You know, we're trained to avoid the superlative, right? Unless you can quantify it. It's the biggest. Well, how big is it? Oh, it's the, you know, and there's a number that goes with that. Or it's the oldest and there's a number that goes with that. But now it seems like to to spool your point out there a little bit that everybody can just go on social media. And especially I think in the last four years um, and just say, we're the best. We're the biggest. We're the this. Challenge me. Fight me. Go ahead. What are you going to do about it? Yep. Oh yeah, there's no there's no one fact checking, there's no one um, you know holding their feet to the fire, um, and you know it's funny because I see the stupidest stuff, and you know the word I am so sick of is strategic, you know we have to be strategic. No, I prefer dumb. Like really, or um, this is revolutionary. No, it's not. You know it's 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 a snack bar, or you know it's it's a new coffee blend. It's not revolutionary. Uh, nothing state of the art, you know, you don't need four exclamation points. Sorry, nothing is that interesting. Um, it, it just makes me laugh because we would have never gotten away with that when I was in a newsroom. Oh, no, like you, every word you had to, unless it was an opinion column, uh, every word had to be, you know, wh- where's your backup on that? You know, you can't yeah, just, just say perfect. something's the greatest or the biggest. No, we'll, we'll prove it. Right, exactly, exactly. This seems like a wonderful time to segue into your book, and I wanted to let you unveil the title of that book because I think it's fabulous. Okay, so uh, the book is called, um, can I say the F word? It's a podcast, go right ahead. Okay, (laughs) I never know because, you know, uh, someone's on radio, whatever. Um, It's called Fuck Off Chloe, Surviving the OMGs and FMLs in Your Media Career. And it's a humor book about young and old in the workforce and this new breed of uh, a new generation, you know, some millennials, mostly Gen Zers who have come in 
to, uh, you know, uh, the workforce and are very woke and, and, and very self-assured and have way too much self-esteem, but they don't want to pay their dues. And I find great humor in this. And so I thought it was worth spoofing. And so I turned it into a humor book. So give us a little, give us a little taste of it. Give us what we can expect when we pick it up. Oh, I have a, uh, I have a list of, you know, how to be woke. I have uh, a chapter things media cares about, but not really. Um, I have what to do to reporter, how to pitch, how not to pitch, um, you know, reasons why PR people drink, uh, you know, beware of a CEO who dot, dot, dot. Um, you know, I have an explanation of the Chloe's, I call them like the, you know, the, this new generation. Um, so it's very lighthearted. It's, it's, you know, it's sarcastic. It's profane. Anybody who's worked in media will will laugh because it's just. I'm telling the truth. I'm. I basically put on paper what everybody else is thinking. I'm just too stupid to have put it on paper. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but I, not I the can, smartest I can move hear, in my career. I, I I can hear PR people and newsroom people out there just nodding their heads as this goes by. <laughs> You know, I have a list of, I call it um, zesty words to spice up your bullshit press release. And, you know, little words that, you know, make it sound better. I have um, uh, a chapter called Know the Codes, where, you know, when you read in the newspaper, you know, someone left to pursue other interests, other, other opportunities. Well, I explain what that really means. So I have all those little keywords, um, you know, I'm just telling the truth. Um but in a funny wink, wink, nod, nod kind of way. No, I love it. I, it, it, it sounds like a book that I read a very long time ago, which was written, I'm guessing in a similar way. Um, that was, uh, you know, you blow right. I blew right through it. It was called, uh, what would Machiavelli do? <laughs> oh yeah. And so, you know, and it was, it was written in humor, um, but it was all true. <laughs> right. So, so I'm, I'm definitely going to dive into your book as well, because um, um, I think it sounds fabulous. Oh, I hope so. You know, I, I'm trying to get, uh, you know, I, I look up the Amazon rankings every day. And, um, you know, I've never been happier to be in 7,000th place. Because <laughs> <laughs> Amazon measures like every book in history. So if you're below 10,000, you're doing pretty well. And I got, I got to seven thousand and i kind of did the little jig and i'm like i'm literally dancing because i'm in seven thousand place <laughs> <laughs> well congratulations on that you were gonna get your thank you mr seven thousand yep how important is 6, 000, it um, i'm right near you <laughs> you're, right, you're right there you're right there um but but in all seriousness, though, too, um, and, and we've talked with other PR people who have, have written books before, how important is it for a PR person or someone in our industry to write in that long form kind of way? You know, we write all day long, but, but you know, does everybody have a book in them? Um, that's a good question. Um, so, no. I mean, I didn't think I had a book in me, and it just kind of spilled out. Um, you know, we, we, we've been, you know, we've been conditioned and, and, uh, you know, everything is shorter, smaller, less is more. 
you know, instead of reading long stories, we're reading captions or quotes. Um, so the days of a long form book, I think, are over because, uh, you know, we are we are now uh, short term thinkers um, and everybody doesn't have an attention span. So um, and honestly, there's not a lot of interest in you know, the, the, the history and, and the nuts and bolts of PR. Um, and that's kind of what I was doing is um, I just made it really like fun lists and there's some uh, illustrations and um, you know, there's a graph and there's um, you know, mix and match, that kind of stuff. I, I, I dumbed it down, but in a fun sarcastic way that I think people will get, but I think, um, I don't think there's room or interest in a, in a very thoughtful uh, academic kind of book about PR. Well, we're going to put the PR podcast uh, recommend on, on your book there. Urge everybody to, uh, to check it out on Amazon because uh, it sounds terrific. Yay. Myself a cop. <laughs> that would be great. Thank you. I need all the help you I can get. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get you up to 6,000 maybe. <laughs> hey, <laughs> <laughs> I'm very happy right, about well, this that. Is, this has been a great conversation, Jeremy. We're going to segue now into the rapid fire question portion of our podcast. This is where we steal a page from inside the actor's studio and ask our guests a series okay. of rapid fire questions. This is going to be fun with you. I know it's going to be fun. So let's, with your indulgence, here we go. Rapid fire question number one, Jeremy, what is your favorite news source? BBC. Rapid fire question number two, what is your favorite social media platform? None. That's the first time we've ever heard that. That's a good one. Rapid fire question number three, coffee or alcohol? Alcohol, hello. <laughs> Rapid fire question number four, Jeremy, what's your favorite on the run food? Oh boy. Uh, foie gras. <laughs> on, on the run? <laughs> uh, <laughs> on TV, it's spicy. Let me, let me know where the drive through foie gras place is. <laughs> Rapid fire question number five, Jeremy, what do you want to be after you finish this career? Nothing. I want to retire and drink wine in Provence. That's I read your bio. That sounds terrific. All right. Well, Jeremy, this has been a great conversation. Please let people know how they can find you and your company online. Uh, okay. The book is Fuck Off Chloe, F, little star there on Amazon. And my company is 360bespoke.com. And please reach out. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Fantastic. Jeremy, thank you again. And thanks everyone for listening. Please remember to subscribe to the show and connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at the PR podcast and send us a question or a comment. Our intro is by Christopher Apple. You can find him and his fantastic photography on Instagram at Christopher underscore A-P-P-O-L-D-T. Check him out there and hire him for all your photography needs. You can find me online at Jody Fisher on all the socials and on the web at jodyfisherpr.com. We'll see you next time on the PR Podcast.